Hello, welcome to Broken Shovel Homesteading for a Sustainable Future podcast. I am Lily, co-host and producer. I am joined by Eric <laughs> and, and me, Lucas. Perfect. And Hi. today on the podcast, we are going to be talking about droughts all mm. over the world. Such a happy topic. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Eric's going to be giving us some information about the drought in Vermont, and I'm going to talk about China. Um, perfect. But first, how's everybody doing? It's a rainy day here. We're all in Vermont, right? Yeah, that's Woo, great. Yay. Exciting moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, it's been raining here today. I, I had the intention of stacking firewood, but I just I can't bring myself to do it. Uh, Meg is like she has been uh, processing various reeds and branches and things to make baskets uh, all morning. And uh, uh, we're going to be making corn brooms this afternoon, Lily, and yeah. some scrubbers oh. and some scrubbers for the farmer's market next month. Anyone uh, who doesn't know, I love these scrubbers and the brooms. Yeah. I'm obsessed with them. They're fantastic. Like, I highly recommend them. Like, if, <laughs> if you're going to sell them, buy them, people. Buy these scrubbers. Yeah. And, and yeah. They're, they're They'll fantastic. be at the Chelsea Farmer's Market all the month of August. Oh, um, <laughs> Eric, how's things over in your, your neck of the woods? Uh, they are wet. Very, yeah. very <laughs> wet. I spent some time, about an hour in the garden, uh, yesterday, and of course, I'm good about like not bending at the waist and bending at the knees. So I was basically walking around the garden doing squats for an hour. <laughs> so my legs are like, like I, I start walking back up from the garden. I'm just like, whoa, my legs are like really wobbly now. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's good. It's good for your health, both mental and physical gardening. Yes. Yeah. You know, yes, we we worked all day yesterday, but we'll talk more about that later in the show. Um, and I don't what I don't know the scale <laughs> don't know. of I don't know anything. What do we do? Don't know anything. We are talking about droughts today, and I think Eric is going to start us off and talk a little bit about what we experience here in Vermont, past, present, future, everything. So yes. take it away, Eric. All, yeah. All Do you the, have? Yeah. Are you going to define what a drought is for us, Eric? Leading us into this, oh, or I did not do, do a definition of a drought. Uh, other, I happen I mean, to have it here. So let me just. It, a, a drought, very simply, is a prolonged period of abnormally low ra rainfall, leading to a shortage of water. That is the uh, very simple straightforward definition of a drought. Uh, we'll get into more details of what causes it and all that. Yeah. Uh, all right, Eric. History of Vermont drought. So we also, uh, so I'm going to focus very much on the uh, Vermont and the recent drought we had, um, what got us out of the drought, and the outlook going forward for pre precipitation and potential for abnormal dry conditions. Um, historically, uh, we used to not get droughts very often. Uh, they'd have, they'd come in waves. Uh, we had. Historically, we had uh, in the 30s, there was a drought. Uh, in the 40s, there was a, a drought. Um, 60 to 69, with specifically 69 being a historic drought year. Um, then we had 80 to 81, 80 to 89. Uh, 91, another record drought year. Uh, 95, 98, 99, uh, 06 to 07. 2010, 2011, 2012, uh, 16 to 17, 18, and then the the big one that we recently had of 20 to 21 drought. So as we can see, they are the droughts are becoming more frequent. More frequent uh, due to climate change. Eric? Yes, I believe because of climate change, which is also interesting. Are we're having droughts happening more frequently? But overall, our precipitation trends are on the increase. Okay. So now 
this week, just just you know, for frame of reference, because we keep saying it's wet and it's really rainy. This week, I've measured three inches of rain, and mm-hmm. in the last thirty-one days, I've measured eight and a half inches of rain, uh, which. Uh, going off That's of my records of from last year is more <laughs> rain, mm-hmm. but we're through, this is more of an El Nino effect. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So we're, uh, but we're also we're hitting record records with this year. So May this year had the driest May on record since like I think the record keeping starts in 1889. So it was mm-hmm. the driest May, but January to May was the wettest on record for that same period. Okay. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. How is this? Okay. All right. I oh, know. I got it. I wrapped my noodle around it. I got it. I know. It was a lot of numbers and a lot of, a lot of information. Just, uh... oh, trust me, my whole chart is a lot of numbers and data and whatnot. Because I, I, I found of two websites, I went to a drought.gov and then a recent NOAA.gov report on drought and the climate change, which had a lot of great data in it. Um, so I want to go into like a little bit the the recent drought we had that was mm-hmm. extremely devastating on the region and uh, broke the charts for a lot of records. Um, hit, hit a lot of thirty year lows for for between tw- uh, t- twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. It was considered an extreme hydrologic gout, drought. Okay. Wow. Uh, so and what, and, and what does that mean to to be that extreme? What uh, we just how didn't little... get. We barely. We, any rain. We, we, I did actually didn't. They, there weren't any numbers attached to it, unfortunately. Oh, okay. um, other than being, it was just a lo- long periods of abnormally dry conditions. And I mean, Lucas, you can remember that too. That year, yeah. year we uh, we got like no rain from. Yeah. I think it was May I... through October or September. We did not get any rain. Yeah, I remember and, that, and I didn't really like flag it. But now that that we're talking about it, I'm like, wow, we really didn't get any rain. And I remember because you know the fire stations around here have those cute little like Smokey <laughs> the Bear type things with like the gauge, and I remember yeah. it being on like orange and red constantly that yep. year yeah. because it was just like we had not gotten any rain. Yep, I think a lot of. Uh... The ponds, tarns, uh, lakes, uh, small springs and reservoirs really took a major hit because normally my the little stream outside my house it runs from from usually around March when it defrosts through usually August September ish and then dries up in September and then we usually get October rain and it starts flowing again. But I mean, recently it's uh, especially in 2021, it didn't run at all. Yeah, and and that year I, we have certain fields that we let go to wildflowers because you know pollinators, etc. And um, plus they're pretty. But <laughs> we'll get chest deep flowers and grasses and things before I mow in the fall, and uh, it was knee high at best like even like you know native grasses and things like that were just not doing anything it yep. was it was fascinating in a terrifying now, sort of way i'm not sure if you have numbers on this eric or lucas but what was the uh crop loss or and or um did we lose any crop did did you have a struggle growing did you use i, I mean Clearly, I was you guys just used a significant constantly. amount of water. Yeah, yeah. That's... I was watering a lot. Um, um, that was coming off the year I was actually battling my the main line for my well coming into my house failed that over that summer. So I had low water pressure all year. Insane. Yep, and then uh, so I had a lot of a lot of fun that year. And don't really recall besides fighting with needing water all year. And trying to find a, a contractor to work on it, uh, I don't re- unfortunately don't recall much about how my own personal crops did, but I did. They did all right. Yeah, yeah I remember okay. that being a huge problem. 
problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I don't have any statistics out of that, that, and I don't really remember any real news stories, you know, uh, there are sources that you can tap to, mm-hmm. conti- you know, for, for agriculture to continue watering um, yep. despite well, a drought. A lot of farms you'll notice have like ponds throughout their fields. And this is exactly what it's for. And you saw a lot of those ponds, they nearly dry up, not completely dry up, but they were able to get enough water to be able to keep the crops going. Yeah. And I think that's a, a really great point that, that you guys brought up was was the pond and, and how even if there is a drought, Vermont especially has these reservoirs that we can use in order to to water. Um, yeah. The, the problem is, is when those drought when the when the droughts get so bad that we yep. do not have those reservoirs yep. any longer. Had, and yeah. I think we're we're getting there. <laughs> yep. And but yeah, yeah had twenty twenty two and this year not been as wet as they have been we would likely have seen like 2022 would have been a really bad crop year because we were so low on water, but then we yeah. start and then into the fall that year, we started getting seen a, lo- a very big increase in the amount of precipitation we got, yeah. which brings us into 2023 of our now record breaking uh, wetness year. <laughs> This is the perfect day to do this episode. <laughs> yes, it is. It really Pouring is. rain outside. And... <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, what do we got? So, um, so far, we're going to use a, a listener sent in his uh, rainfall data, and yeah. which is really nice. Uh, so he had through for snowfall through April, 110 inches of snow, which is actually right on for the average. Oh, and. And yeah, sorry. Yeah, I want to say uh, his name is Philip. Oh, uh, all right, Philip. Thank you, Philip, very much. Uh, yeah. Lucas, what was your snowfall total for through April? I don't measure my snowfall. Oh. I was just gonna say, Fair I, don't, I don't. I don't measure snowfall I can't, either. I cannot on this bald hill get a reliable uh, measurement of snow with the amount of no, wind you get that too, I get. You get here. too much wind up there. Yeah. Like next so, year, I will have to get. I have to get my weather station up to get my. Uh, yeah. I'm going to figure out something going forward, but I can tell you it was significant. I know I've sent pictures Mm -hmm. to both of you of of, just trying to clear. Yeah, I (laughs) actually, I I had, I had a point where I couldn't, I couldn't see, see out, almost couldn't see out my picture window because my, it was the snow coming off the roof had piled up so high that I couldn't see out. And my picture window is about the bottom of it is a, about six feet up. Yeah, I would say I had snow drifts that wow. were eight feet high. <laughs> yep. so. Yeah. Uh, so we had we had a record, a, a very big snowfall amount, and then um, the Philip also sent us his uh through the through the twenty seventh, which doesn't include some of our a uh, three day or three or four days of heavy rain that we have gotten. Uh, but he had a, at that point had eleven and a half inches through the end of June for his rainfall amounts. Yeah. And and you do have that number, don't you, Lucas? My rain amounts? When do you want it yep. for? Because I can pull it up very quickly while you keep Let's going. Get, uh, two, two months. Let's do through uh, from April to current. Okay. So we know my last 31 days was 8.5. Uh, so uh, if somebody wants to vamp for us here, so we don't have any. Yep. All right. So, the, the, but these numbers, despite <laughs> being like good, um, they're they're only slightly above the, what would be considered the normal for rainfall totals. And due to that, like about slightly above normal. Exact. Slightly above normal. Normal being for this time of year, being about between snowfall, snow and rainfall having about 15.48 inches of rain. Oh, okay. This thing is being a pain in the butt. It was a lot. And then, yep. And then, uh, so, <laughs> like because of the conditions well, and the I'm... way the El Nino has been going, half the state, specifically the, uh, mainly the western half and the neck, are actually still in abnormally dry conditions. But then, but then our area, the where I consider the Connecticut River Valley, uh, we're actually on the on the cusp of 
shifting into uh, abnormally wet conditions. Yeah. I was Which, I was wondering yeah. about that because I feel like this time of year wasn't as rainy as it is now. And yep. and I'm I'm sure that's El Nino. So for precipitation, we're actually in the um, we are 200 to 300 percent above normal for rainfall for the 30 days, and then 100 to 150 percent above normal for the 60 days. Wow. wow, that that is a significant amount. Yep. And rainfall. then my my favorite number I found so far which shows that we are still not where we need to be is the uh, soil moisture at both 20 centimeters down and 100 centimeters down. Um, 20 centimeters down, because of all the recent rain, we are actually in the uh, 30th to 70th percentile. So as we know, percentiles go, we're like, we're actually right where we want to be. But then you go down to 100 centimeters down, we're actually down in the 10th to 30th percentile for dryness. Yeah, and that's where our trees live. Uh, and that's where our trees live. So, yeah. Yep. So we are still very much at risk of very quickly going back into a drought if rainfall patterns don't continue to stay normal. Right. And today, right now, they're above normal. Above uh, normal. But I also found out, so our region as a whole, which is most of New England, is actually, we are subject to what they call uh, flash droughts, which are two to six months periods of extremely abnormally dry conditions. Okay. So, it's not necessarily getting better. It's not getting better, but the outlook is, um, at least for the next seven days, uh, we're predicted to get another two to three inches of rain over the next seven days. Okay. Um, and which is going to hopefully pull out the rest of the state out of the abnormally dry conditions. And we also are likely to see in the long-term prediction forecasts, we're seeing a potential of a 15% increase in participation. And we're so With, lucky that next week we have a meteorologist, uh, uh, Zyrena... Yes. Uh, Sirena Arnold coming next week, and we're going to get to really drill into some of this long-term forecasting. We, we are very <laughs> excited about this. I don't know. Yes. We are all very excited about uh, her joining us next week. Um, now, as far as – so we're we're pretty much going to be seeing similar – numbers in in upcoming years is, is yep, that's, what the, what I, that's what the prediction yeah. is is that yep we're going to yeah. keep seeing more rain uh that that becoming more of the norm uh winter and spring tend, trend tending to be wetter than the summer and fall which is something that's long term that's been the norm is that to see wet springs into dry falls that's that's norm for vermont so hopefully even with El Nino and climate change, we may actually see a trend towards normal. I'm putting normal. air quotes up. Yeah, normal. I, 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 I recall October being extremely wet last year. It was. The I last two Octobers have wet. been – the last two have been extremely wet because two years ago I had some great weed growing. I mean, <laughs> this was a good, like, six-foot-tall plant. Nice, big, forearm-sized colas on them. Um, brought them inside, hung them up to dry, mildew. dried them out, popped open the first bud, and the whole I lost the whole plant to mildew. That sucks. Uh, yep. uh, I'm sorry. So we've Eric. actually had – so despite the prediction being uh, dry falls, we've actually been having wet falls. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, on to our – Lucas and global drought yeah, I was conditions. just going to say, let's uh, global now. <laughs> well, yes. yeah, we're going to talk about this prolong, you know, and, and this is what I fear for our area and our country. You know, when we talk about tapping into resources uh, when we do not have rainfall, we are seeing that play out in China as we speak. Um, my, I'm, I'm much more of a bullet point guy, and I'm going to kind of run through a lot of this for both of you. Um, to give you a scope, we all know how big China is, but there are 17 provinces in China, basically from the southwest 
to the the entire east of China is in uh, a, a very extreme drought right now. Um, it's a 60% decrease in rainfall. So the Yangtze River Basin wow. is extremely depleted. And I, I think a lot, we've seen a lot of pictures of these, these major um, river basins through different countries completely mm-hmm. Dried. And they're making amazing archaeological discoveries, but oh, I know. Uh, oh, yeah, because you just the um, that I was like <laughs> the yeah, archaeological. One fa- yeah, yeah, one of my favorite uh, ecological disasters that out of that region is the um, is the uh, the drying up of the air. Was it the Aryan Sea? Yeah. Yep. Where they uh, they they we they basically the the this lake. There was a massive source of water in between. I believe Pakistan and Afghanistan are somewhere in that area. So a little more, more West from China, but where they've uh, this, because of the lack of rain and them rerouting the rivers so much for agricultural purposes, this massive lake is gone now. Unbelievable. This, yeah. So this one is, is directly affecting a third of the population, Mm -hmm. 900 million people are wow. being directly affected by this and the yeah. crop loss is about 10 percent uh which translates to you know their the projections are that it is a loss of 10 billion dollars now this is what we are talking eric was talking about where if we hadn't gotten as much rain as we we are ending up with now we would be in similar situations um Except that China, in their desperation, I'll just, I'll give me one second, Lily, uh, in their desperation to maintain their crops, mainly wheat, they're one of the world's greatest wheat producers, they're tapping aquifers, uh, basically our, our world's water storage system, and using that water uh, across the country to, to alleviate from all of this. Now, that is where we get into that cycle where if the drought continues and there's no reservoirs, we end up in a Mad Max universe uh, and uh, things just get bananas. Now, what were you going to say, Lil? I, I was going to say they're they're one of the biggest producers of wheat and wheat is a very heavy, wheat and rice are very water heavy crops. Mm-hmm. And so yep. this makes sense why, why they need to tap into these resources and yep because they are producing one of the most water-heavy crops in yeah. that I know and of. <laughs> and it's water-heavy through its entire life cycle. To Correct. get it going, yeah. it's water-heavy. To maintain it, it's water-heavy. To process it is water-heavy. Exactly. Uh, so it's, it, and, yeah. and we're seeing this sort of play out in Kansas right now as well, where there's also a significant drought. Uh, I yeah. kind of wanted to zoom out a little bit more from the United States, but we are seeing an, a similar an equal economic impact within the United States that that China is broadcasting for the rest of the world first, to, to, to put it lightly. Um, but yeah, so it's the worst in decades. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. getting worse. Climate change and these extreme weather events are converting the landscape of China at a rate and pace that no one yep. anticipated. <laughs> Nobody saw this coming. Or they did, and they did nothing about it, right? Well, I was going to say, like, I mean, we we know we're we're producing these very water heavy crops, and and as we've seen the trend of the the water significantly go down and drought increasing, and we haven't done anything about it. Right. Well, and so they are. The government is making attempts uh, at water storage, and you know, there's. Uh, uh, they're, they're, and the drilling yeah. uh, and things they've like been prepare, that. They've been preparing for this as well because they've built some of the largest dams and reservoirs on yes. the planet, one of which actually is so large it changed the Earth's elliptical. No What? Sh- no kidding. Yeah, because the, cause the, the body of water is so large that it created that it actually just caused the earth to elongate just a little bit. And actually the earth rotates a little bit slower because of this. Yes. It's a little bit slower because of this massive. Insane. So we all, so China just made us live longer. Yes. If I'm understanding physics. Little tiny bit. Yes. (laughs) They're really looking out. They're really looking out for, for everybody. 
none of this is news except for this lake thing. But China <laughs> is the the canary in the coal mine and having to make these adjustments and prepare. Mm-hmm. And these aren't things you know that we're necessarily seeing or being prepared for here. So in all honesty, I think we're going to run out of water before we run out of, say, oil. Um, yeah, um, the water, um, I, I, we haven't talked about on this show, but I believe I've mentioned this to Lucas before. The, the water wars that are coming, and they yeah. are coming, they're, are going I to mean, be much worse here. than the oil wars. Oh, they are, they are yeah. here, but like the actual, like, in country of state versus state, when the southern states try to come up here and tap into our aquifers and to oh, get water down crazy. for agriculture down there. Or when they're shipping water from the Great Lakes into the Colorado River Basin to help support the Colorado River. When I lived in Oregon, the voting was very specific and angry about not sending water to California. Correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it is it is already on the West Coast. The West Coast is constantly in a water battle. Oh, they are. They're fighting with each other. They're talking about who has the rights, how much how much is. Idaho legally allowed to not send down to California kind of stuff. Well, and maybe you and can look into this, Lily, and, and decide if it's, I'm, a, a conspir- like I'm believing a conspiracy or something, but I do believe the Bush family owns one of the largest uh, aquifers in South America uh, and, at, and, you know, the Bush family. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like they own it. Uh, yeah. which is terrifying. One of the things, and and uh, I'm just going to kind of go solution-based here for a few minutes, because we do know that this is a problem. We do know this is a disaster. Uh, I want to talk about alternative grains and one very sp- specific plant. I grow it here. Um, I gave Eric some seeds, but they didn't make it in. You can have some of my grain in the fall. Uh, amaranth, this fantastic um, Fantastic plant grown in the uh, uh, South America originally and through, uh, you know, the, the entire, what is that, an archipelago? Um, yep. And it is something that is, it does take water to get it to germinate and to grow. But according to a study by the National Library of Medicine, because uh, it's super healthy and they were looking into how to propagate it in mass, um, it's it is a drought resistant grain. It it uh, is extre- once it's established, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, it so which is to say it's it's um, uh, resistant to abiotic stress. So drought and salinity, these two major things ah. that we're going to have to do, it thrives in those conditions mm-hmm. once established. Um, so. It's, it is a grain. You can use it to make bread. Um, the reason we don't see it all the time, and this is where some of my personal politics, you know, my tone will be influenced by my personal politics. <laughs> the uh, crusaders and stuff through South America and Central America uh, t- made it illegal for natives to grow amaranth uh, because they had a spiritual connection to their crops and to their plants and their their uh, belief system, uh, they believed the the Crusaders believed that it would get in the way of converting them to Catholicism. So they made the growing of a plant illegal. Uh, and uh, you know we see that play out in different ways in different plants, right, Eric? Um, yep. But <laughs> lots of different plants. So there's yeah, I mean it's like the like with with cannabis and the whole that, that the real reason that cannabis is legal not because of the war on drugs but because the textile industry stood to lose so mm-hmm. much because if we shifted away from our cotton-based textiles right. to a hemp-based textile right which is cheaper and better and yeah all these other things but yeah that's so a conversation if- for the day and I'll talk more about amaranth uh, it, through the growing season and what we do with it, things like that. But um, I highly encourage people to plant it. It's very easy to grow. I am at this point weeding amaranth out of other beds because it is taken off and is so prolific around the garden that I am removing amaranth and only growing it in certain areas. But on wow. top of it, 
it is a beautiful plant. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, they, we grow these red and yellow varieties and they just look like these beautiful color fountains that are about seven or eight feet high. Um, so, you know, something solution based thinking about this going forward is going to some of these grains that are drought resistant, that are even healthier. And, and, you know, and again, I'm putting on my old hippie hat, but, you know, <laughs> these ancient grains, they, there's a reason that the native peoples were growing amaranth and not wheat necessarily. And it's because it was easier to grow and healthier. Uh, yep. and, but, but, you know, the crusaders came along and, and uh, just upended history. <laughs> so. Uh, but that's my that's my high horse. Uh, am I believing a conspiracy theory, Lily? So um, the Bush family owns <laughs> 1.2 million square kilometers in Colombia of a reservoir. Yeah, um, that's what it is. Yeah, and it is named the, it starts with a G. The George um, Bush Reservoir. <laughs> it's certainly not a library. Um, it, it's they they own the majority of it. They don't own the mm. entire thing, but they in, they own the majority of this aquifer. So this really does prove Eric's point, though earlier that the, you know the water wars are already happening. This it, the the elite and the wealthy are already preparing, oh, and yep. you should too. Uh, yeah and i mean and growing these these the plants that you're talking about and um the amaranth um and it just shows that they know you know and and people know about the water wars and and everybody knows that this is coming and it's it's yep. not just a yeah because yeah. it's not just the availability <laughs> of of just potable water but the availability of clean drinking water. Correct. Uh, yes. They're going to see yeah. this a lot more in, um, unfortunately, third world third world countries. Of that, they are. We're going to see more famine, more more of the uh, the what's going on. Is it Sudan right now that they're having massive? Yeah. Uh, they're having issues yep. with famine because they can't get access to clean water. Right. Yeah, I have so, a, a neighbor that's in the military that's helping coordinate. Uh, you know, basically evacuations and yeah. supply chains to to help the people in Sudan. And and one of the the things I think we may or may not see more of, but we should see more of, is like desalinization plants. Yes. Uh, that and using whole, that is a whole water. kettle of fish. Oh, it is because it's it we even really with could the, get <laughs> yeah, like it's even the, like so when I was in the Navy long long time ago. Uh, the, uh, the, the unit I was actually attached to out in San Diego, they had an actual desalinization yeah. unit that they could actually like, Hey, if we need potable water, we have this, this big machine, like the size of a small, like a small warehouse mm -hmm. that they could bring out and use to desalinate the water. But they said that like, they hate using it and hate having, they hate the idea of having to bring it because it is just a gas guzzler. Correct. Yeah, there's but but the, that's the thing. Like at, at at what point do we decide that having a sustainable, you know, water and we need water to live. We don't need gas. Yeah, we also to need live. oxygen. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> so it, it's, it's gonna be it's a it's difficult a catch twenty two. And I think yep. we should just wrap up. <laughs> well, we'll we'll add desalination to it to a yeah. later conversation. Yeah. We'll Absolutely. put it on our list, and you know we'll track down an expert maybe because, uh, mm -hmm. you know I, I I'm not even an armchair expert on the subject. So no. Um, but yeah, so plants that can are resistant to abiotic stress. Uh, yep. Start, you know, if you are here in Vermont, uh, you know, it's a little late this season to plant amaranth, but start looking at alternatives for your growth, for your garden mm -hmm. next year. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to do, I have some uh, heirloom uh, red wheat and I'm going to grow them side by side next year and sort of do a, a row of wheat and a, and a row yep. of amaranth and sort of, exp and just prove to myself that I'm making the right decision, I think. But uh, I'll, I will have actual hands-on information uh, next growing season. Yep. Sounds amazing. So, and I think that yep. really leads us into um, our listener 
No, well, Adam we got to chat, chat with Monica. Yes, I was like, wait, no, we have Monica. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, so I'll play Monica. that now. I met with Monica uh, last week. We had a great chat. Uh, she's a homesteader over in New Hampshire, but I don't want to spoil too much of it. Uh, I will make that play. Hey, everybody. Uh, we are into our pre-recorded segment where I have the privilege of speaking with uh, Monica from the Always Growing uh, homestead in New Hampshire, and uh, we're kind of just getting to know each other, uh, my favorite part of the show now. Hi, Monica. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm oh, getting better by the minute. It's a beautiful day, and getting to sit down and talk to you means I can, like, take my boots off for a little while and sit and hang out. This is great. So I, <laughs> I appreciate you. <laughs> uh, you you and I kind of connected on, on TikTok. Uh, we ended up following each other on TikTok, and, uh, you know, I, I'm just so impressed, and it's it's always great to meet other other people that are homesteading and, uh, as I like to put it, you know, learning skills to exit capitalism, but I, I don't want to put that on you, but uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing? Um, I, I, I just, I, I've had such a great time exchanging uh, communication with you. Um, I love how you put that of trying to exit capitalism. I, I am kind of the stay at home mom right now. I do odd jobs here and there, but basically we're just, broke as hell and making it work. So I'm trying to live off the land as much as we can. We, <laughs> my favorite store is the dump where we have a swap shop and I exchange stuff for free. And that's where I get most of my things. And that's we just awesome. try to live on less. My wife doesn't make a lot of money and that's okay, okay with us. We're just, we live on six and a half acres in a mobile that the mobile's kind of gone to hell, but we kind of put lipstick on the pig and fix up what we can <laughs> and we just love not having huge payments and being able to to do what we can with what we have well that's fantastic yeah very similar situation for me where we you know my wife works and i do this and um you know we do it we got enough to pay the bills we've got our land and everything else we make and uh if you need some chicken wire i've got some free chicken wire oh, i was gonna great. post today so <laughs> I, <laughs> I just scouring uh, the edges of the of the road seeing what people throw out for free and just i'm yes. kind of a trash picker because everything can be repurposed at a homestead yeah what well, is there anything in particular that you've done that you're 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 proud of like yeah. you know uh uh, feeders or anything like that out of odd things? Oh, my goodness. Um, a lot of things are just good to go from what they are. Like, I picked yeah. up a couple, a couple of wire shelves yesterday and just, oh, you know, score. metal shelving that's kind of broken, but it works for an outdoor shed, you know, and yeah. I, you know, pick up lots of, you know, fencing and things like that. The, my favorite thing to find is um, dog kennels. You know the wire dog crate? Yeah. I have so many of those. And they are perfect for all the different animals at different stages. So we have bunnies in one right now, ducks in another, chickens in another, like all the little guys. And it's just raccoons can get their hands through. So we did lose a lot of chickens last year. So uh, I do have to, like, make sure there's an additional, you know, closed-in area for them to sleep. But really, I find those on the side of the road for free all the time. Constantly, yeah. <laughs> and they're just, they're perfect little containers, and we even daisy chain them sometimes. The rabbits have two of them put together right now. Oh, cool. So that they, they're not, you know, so they're, they're able to be social? Yep, they've got, oh, well, okay. they're just that they've got more room to run, and it's mm -hmm. a free, free housing for them while I build a bigger cage for them. Also out of free fencing, you know, sticks that we found, pallets, things like that. I have yeah. a long pallet walkway. Um, oh. just, yeah, yeah, my walkways are all stones that I picked out of the garden trying to, like, turn the soil. But that's kind of how it goes over here in Vermont. So, <laughs> well, what, you, so you have chickens, ducks, and rabbits? Yep. And and these are are these meat animals that are you are you processing for meat? We do. We I don't have any meat birds right now. I do make sure to buy straight run chickens so that when we do get we buy straight runs because I don't agree with the fact that the <laughs> that the boys get killed or whatever else they make right. with them. So we get straight runs and then if we get too many roosters, we eat the roosters. 
Right. And I, I will end up doing meat birds later in the season, but we, we still have some in the freezer from last year. So That's fantastic. I just started researching like uh, meat rabbits and, and looking into yeah. that. So I'm, uh, but they're just so cute that it's, re I'm really my, worried. <laughs> my rabbits are actually, um, one of my neighbors was raising them and, and ended up having four long-haired rabbits out of short-haired parents and short-haired everybody else. And the way they raise rabbits, they can't handle the long hair. So I, I took the short, the long hair ones and I, you know, groom them and I take their fur and we turn it into yarn. Oh, awesome. So, I, I have a loom now and we haven't used it yet. It's kind of a curse. I think we got it for free and it's a big old standing loom. And now it's just in my house and neither of us know how to use it. <laughs> so. That's wonderful. I just have a hand spindle, like I I made one and then we happened to get got one from like a museum or something as a souvenir. But um, yeah, I just use the the hand one and it takes forever, but it's kind of a winter activity, you know. Yeah. It's, just, it's something to do, and I I'll sell the fur just as fur, but it's just kind of like not necessarily something that we need to sustain us right now. But it's just knowing that I could and we could make you know eight pairs of socks a year from these two rabbits we have. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love it. Uh, when we we started talking about doing this, you 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 sort of you know, and we you alluded to it earlier how you've sort of gotten into homesteading as a necessity, like you know, and and I don't mean to like put anything on that, but I I as well I feel like this is a necessity, uh, and I I you know I wear my heart on my sleeve with that. Like I said, exiting capitalism with through learning skills. Um, do you do you find that you are really trying to exit capitalism or is this yep. like and again <laughs> you know if i'm putting my own stuff on you but um i'm really it, into sustainability and i okay. really you know we don't buy stuff because i want to help the planet not necessarily you know we can't afford it sometimes but when we even when we can't afford it i'm like why buy that when we can make it or we can get it thrifted and secondhand so that we're not right. getting more product in the world there's too much already the thrift stores are filled everyone's homes are filled the people having uh, yeah. blockers you know storage places around us are just popping up like daisies and we don't yeah we don't need that much crap <laughs> no i'm in a purge mode right now i absolutely agree with you and um the the you know plastics and being forced into plastics it drives me crazy you know when i do make a supply run to bj's or something like that like it just drives me bananas you I know feel there's exactly the same yeah and i i just i i i think i've probably made this joke on the show before but like when we had the wildfire smoke uh, over the last few weeks, I, I was wondering how it was mixing with the microplastics in my blood. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> um, and, oh, yeah. and yeah, so exiting capitalism through skill learning. What have you learned that you think is helping you uh, exit capitalism? Anything from canning, from dehydrating, from, you know, learning herbs and stuff around the yard. Yeah. Right now, my biggest thing is I'm learning about what's growing in my yard, what herbs are there, what's already available to me that I don't have to buy. You right. Know, you know, we, we learned about yarrow recently, and I put it on my kid's cut, and it stopped bleeding really quickly. And yeah. I was very impressed and just, you know, trying to do more with what I have here. And, and the skills of knowing the plants, that's something that it's very – you know, knew the last five or six years I'm from the desert. So learning all the plants right. is a big undertaking for me. And I just, right. I love you, finding out. You're from Arizona. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, and what brought you to Vermont? Like um, that's a big, I, oh, I'm sorry, New Hampshire, family. right. You're across the border. You're <laughs> in, in the, <laughs> yes. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, my, my ex's family was from out here and so oh, okay. we worked together for, um, we were married for 10 years and, but, we came out here to be close to his family, and now I'll never leave. I love that things grow on their own. And <laughs> yeah. I went back to Arizona last summer, and it was it was depressing. I saw the lake levels that were yeah. a fifth of what they were five years ago, and I saw you know the housing market just booming and so many new businesses and people, and they're acting like it's not the desert. And so I'm happy yeah. to be in the place where we're more water co conservative than people in the desert with no water yeah. are. <laughs> 
<laughs> like... Yeah. <laughs> Reminds me, I just, I, I need to get some more uh, rain barrels. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, and you had said something to me that I just absolutely loved. I'm going to, I'm going to steal it from you constantly, I think from this point, but you had said that homesteading is your rebellion. Yeah. And what, what are you, what is, what is Monica rebelling against here? Like rebelling against capitalism and rebelling against all the plastic they put in the foods and the things that they're trying to make us do, you know, I'm rebelling against working. (laughs) (laughs) But you're probably working harder than you ever have in your life. Right. I'm doing it at my own pace. You know, I, I ran into a bunch of medical problems and, you know, I, I can't work how people want me to work and, and to make money to, to buy things and not have time to do things for my own family myself. So yeah, I'm rebelling against all of those things of not working, not doing everything and just kind of creating my own lifestyle of trying to bring it back to basics and living in harmony with nature versus constantly, you know, working just to spend money, just to, you know, put poison in my body and right. it's a vicious cycle. Yes, it really can be. And, and, you know, for Eric and I, um, it's, it's such a huge thing because he has children, uh, like you, you have one child, maybe, uh, yeah, he's got two kids and, you know, teaching them these skills and, and working with them and, and sort of teaching them that the world isn't what you see on television is is uh, you know and i'm speaking for eric because he's not here but it's really important to him and it seems like that's really important to you as well one thing i have been fighting my kids on the most recently is they're constantly like repeating memes that are just ads like keep talking about nikes and whoppers and all sorts of stuff and they just like sing these little songs and so i i just yell across the house i say no advertisement (laughs) i'm just you know i'm striving so hard to keep them away from all that poison and like yeah we're going we're trying to do more barefoot you know minimal shoe time and stuff like that and i'm like really you're singing songs about everything i'm against can we stop that Well, that's it's. I, I, I'm not a parent, so I imagine it's just any anything with a child is a challenge. You know, like I just found out that my goddaughter is going to fly out from California uh, and spend like a month with us next summer, and I'm like I'm bouncing off the walls with excitement because I adore her, but you know I, I'm also dreading a 13 year old girl in my house. I can't imagine like having constant constant kids in the house. So. Um, so going for, what do you see, what do you see going forward for you? And, you know, you're, you're, you know, obviously always growing homestead. It, it's, it's kind of, it's proclamation, you know, you're making a proclamation there. And it's, I, I love it's about, that. It's about always growing the gardening things and what we're growing on our property, but it's also about growing as people. You know, I've, I've come a long way as a person and I'm still growing as a person. And and we say that for our kids and my wife as well. We, you know, we're always growing and we're always becoming better people. And, and it just, it reminds us that there's room to grow in all the things that we don't like in the world and like in ourselves and that we can grow through it. Yeah. Well, it's amazing. I, it's actually, it's funny, uh, you know, like on my TikTok, it's, it's like, watch us grow. And yeah. I feel like I should turn that over to you so that I can steal your homesteading as my rebellion. You uh, can steal that. I, I probably got that from a meme somewhere. So it's well, right. It. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's it's just so, so wonderful that to to see people that are really, you know, digging their heels in against the nonsense of, uh, of things. And obviously we're like minded. So I'm going to just agree with everything you say. But. Uh, so it's not exactly hard-hitting journalism here on Broken Shovel, but uh, it's. It, I hope that others hear this and hear that encouragement and that positivity, and you know that always growing mentality that you have. And I hope that that resonates with other people that that maybe they'll kind of take that leap and 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 do more and and so, and, and buy so less. Much. Yeah, You can do so much with so little. Like when I was in the desert, I did have chickens. I did have a small garden. And it was just about using what I could use then. And I've been able to grow to be more natural and have more things. But you you can give yourself space for, you know, whenever <laughs> whenever you don't miss 
meet the expectations that you have, but you can also do just a little bit more, you know, just kind of change one thing by one more thing in a glass bottle instead of the one in the plastic bottle or, yeah. you know, try not to use McDonald's all the time, but when you have to, it's um, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. We're human and, and, you know, you're going to, you you know, we, we need our, uh, our uh, vices, I guess. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I just, I, it's just so wonderful. And, and I, I like, I hope that we become friends really, because yeah. you are uh, just such a, a, a ray of light and, and you know, and, and your innovation and your attitude, um, you know, and I, like you said, you like some physical setbacks, but you're, you're kind of chaos gardening and making it happen. It. Right. It. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, that was my chat with Monica. Uh, she was uh, just really great to chat to with. Um, I like seeing people making something out of nothing. Uh, and uh, she, you can check out her blog. Uh, it's alwaysgrowinghomestead.com. And she's on TikTok, Always Growing Homestead. Uh, you guys got to listen in there a little bit. Uh, I'm sorry you missed the conversation with her. Um, any thoughts or takeaways? I, I know I was talking about how much you love having children around all the time, Eric. Uh. <laughs> yes, such a joy. Such a joy. No, I love having my kids around. I'm actually, I mean, I, I just actually was texting with someone that like talking about how I am. I have now one week out of the 52 where I am actually child free. And that is actually upcoming, this upcoming week, which I'm like, I'm, I'm looking forward to, but also not looking forward to because yeah. I have nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully the weather will turn. Um, but yeah, so that was great. Uh, uh, we've got a lot of other great people coming up too. And uh, actually Monica and I, she was talking about loaning me her cider press by the time we were done chatting. Ooh, yeah, so, wow. uh, yeah, so she may come and pick apples and uh, loan me her cider press, which would be really cool. But yeah, uh, gotta love people making something out of nothing. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed that talk. So thank you, Monica. Um, where are we at now? We're running short on we, time. We are, but we're gonna just uh, check back in at the homestead. How's it going? Raining. It's a lot of rain. <laughs> it's a lot of rain. My garden is a swamp. I actually texted Lucas earlier this week after we'd gotten the the day that we got two almost two inches of rain, yeah. I walked out to my garden. There's standing water all over my garden. I take two steps out, which also shows how good I, I tilled this year, but stepped out and went almost it's up to my ankle into the mud. Yeah, this is wow. good. That's not good. So no, oh the plants are like the the rooted plants are loving it. The rat like the radishes, the carrots, the onions. Mm -hmm are loving it. The corn isn't loving it. The beans yeah. are loving it. The tomatoes are loving it. Uh, but yeah, all my, all my, um, my vining plants and my gourds, like my, my cucumbers, my pumpkins, my zucchinis, they're still struggling. We need some sun to yeah. make those guys happy, but they are, I've lost at least three pumpkins so far, two cucumbers, Ugh. uh, replanted and looks like the ones I replanted. I am losing just because they they're getting enough rain, but they're just not getting enough sun to kind of go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got those couple of days of sun and, uh, you know, so I was able to get out and weed just like you, Eric, and, and it was just so much weeding and just absolutely yeah. overwhelming what you're oh, not so able to do right now. Oh yeah. And I, I mean, I weeded and my hands were just like, not even like digging into the dirt, but my, just my hands were just caked in mud, just yep. pulling up all the mint that I have to pull up. Cause it's a constant oh, battle mint. of the mint. <laughs> For me, it's lamb's quarter. Um, <laughs> no, my brassicas are doing great. Um, the strawberries are coming in at the house Yep. We did do a pick your own strawberries at Crossroads Farm in uh, Fairley and got about nine quarts um, at $5 a quart. Uh, and, <laughs> and then we, uh, we've been processing those right along. Uh, you know, I did a whole bunch of dehydrated um, and then I made some straight jam 
Uh, and Meg has been making a sun-dried strawberry jam uh, that we're probably going to can this afternoon. Um, nice. You know, since we're stuck inside with all of this rain. But I am eating out of the garden now. Granted, it might just be lettuce on my on my sandwiches right now, but I am eating out of the garden, and I'm hey, very happy about that. It starts with it usually starts with the lettuce. It does. It yeah. started with oh, the lettuce. It does start. Oh, and just one thing: uh, we had family visiting two weeks ago from California, and they just sent uh, it's like such a generous gift, and it's like it's something I'd like to talk to about later. But uh, they sent us a membership to the uh, American Chestnut. Uh, foundation uh, so Ooh. we are going to be in in the win uh, towards the end of winter early spring we will be receiving four seeds of blight resistant american chestnut trees a, a um uh, an endangered tree uh, we have seven hybrids on the property that we planted so far um, but now we're getting into real american chestnut trees and growing them from seed nice. i just it's just the, such a generous gift, and we are we couldn't be more excited about nice. it. Wow. It's eight chestnuts we have now. I got trees, <laughs> but yeah, that's but amazing. Yeah, I'm really excited for this this adventure. Uh, Meg has been really wanting to do this for a long time, and uh, our our you know some family came, and then a week later we get this thing in the mail. We have to sign nice. like documents saying that we will not sell the seeds and stuff so yeah. it's it's pretty cool uh but yeah now, very they send, now will they that. send you like special <clears throat> nutrients and stuff to feed i don't know but i'm for for blight resistant chestnuts i am willing to make whatever investment is necessary to start bringing back an endangered tree yeah so, um uh, very excited about that other than that we're just like weaving baskets and making brooms and stuff and getting ready for the markets in august uh Lily, you've been in Vermont painting. I have been. I've been painting my parents' house. Ooh. <laughs> I've Yay, labor. And painting. Except for today. You know, you know for child today. labor is the best kind of labor. It is. It is. And it's, why, it's what makes Girl Scout cookies taste so good. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought it was, I thought it was the fresh Girl Scouts all ground up in there. No, no, no! It's the it's yeah. the uh, the child labor and child exploitation that makes it taste so uh, good. Okay, good. I do have a question for both of you. We have a lilac bush that is, it seems to be dying. Uh, it's mm -hmm. losing all of its leaves, and it's kind of uh, it was in a cone, nice cone formation, and now it's kind of flattening out like a pancake. Um, what do you suggest doing? How established is this lilac? Very, is it... very, very established. It's big. And is there any visible damage on the leaves? Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't appear to have, like, you know, usually yeah. you look at the leaves and they either have the browning or yellowing. Yeah. It, they're mm -hmm. green. So it's very, it's very curious. I'll send you pictures. How big are the leaves? Like little leaves? Are they little? Getting... The little baby. Little, little tiny baby. Rear, because... Frost. Yeah. I frost, frost probably got them bad. I'd say you're probably your best bet is end of season. Cut it the back. Hell out of it. Prune the hell out of it. Because lilacs, once they're established, you can take them down to pretty much almost a stump well, and they and will come is, back. And this yeah. is the thing, my my baby lilac uh stem, I'll say, because it's literally just like a little bush with like <laughs> little baby leaves coming off of it. It's doing beautifully like it's yeah, still thriving. Yeah. it's still it's still doing great uh, well, another li theory... it, lilacs will put up a shoot off their roots so mm -hmm. uh and if it's younger it may not have bloomed as early that, uh, yeah the young one is is doing well it's just the one that's right by the road so mm -hmm. yeah potentially i'd have to see pictures um, yeah, yeah i'll send you guys but... pictures and i think this leads us into our listener interaction right who was very heavily featured in our our episode today mm -hmm. uh this gentleman he uh was posting and, and we were talking we're emailing now and that he may join us uh in the future but uh user vermont builder on reddit uh, was posting just about the torrential downpour and and it really started a great thread on the homesteading subs uh, about it and I have a quick screenshot of that I just have to pull up 
and uh, he is the person who sent us all their weather statistics. But um, but yeah, essentially his garden is drowning. Uh, and you know the photo that he's posted here, uh, dealing with too much rain. And then the forest fire smoke in the background. And uh, what I don't know if you noticed in those statistics that he sent us, though, uh, he for 517 orchard devastated. So this is somebody yes. who is really feeling it this year. Mm -hmm. um, and we started having a really great conversation. And essentially, they, they supplied us with a whole bunch of local data, which is great. They're in Windsor yes. County. Uh, so, you know, best of luck to, uh, I've forgotten his name again, Philip, uh, <laughs> and, uh, hopefully we get to talk a little bit more with them in the future. Um, I hope so. as far as next week goes, what we're are talking we doing? about weather, <laughs> weather, yeah. we're uh, talking about weather and meteorologists. Yeah. We're going to have a meteorologist live on the show with us, and I think we're all very excited for our first guest on the show on an episode yeah. about hey. weather. Yeah, Sirena um, Arnold will be joining us to talk about weather and what the difference is between weather and climate change and yes. what climate change is doing to the weather and so on and so forth, but with a person with a science thing. And we're very excited <laughs> Yay, to have her. science. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, I think that's it. Um, very excited for next week. This was a great episode. Again, thank you to Monica at Always Growing Homestead. Links to her stuff will be in the episode description. And uh, stay dry, everybody. Mm. Thank you all. Yes, stay dry. Happy Fourth. <laughs> and all our new listeners, thank you. You're thank coming you out of the woodwork. Follow. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is amazing.